Welcome to Five Cats, Two Pussies. This is Ronnie. And this is Lindsay. And this is episode 43! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> you know, af- after episode 52, I think we'll stop counting until we eat, like, reach like episode 100 or something like, yeah. like the big milestones after that. Yeah. But the first year is exciting. And so, when, but when we get to 52, I think we'll stop counting. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. This is, it's the countdown to one, one full year. year. <laughs> <laughs> we have a dope episode today. We are going to cr- uh, complete the trilogy. We are going to talk about Oracle Cards! Yeah, dude! (laughs) I'm psyched. I've been having a lot of fun talking about these, like, different decks of cards. Me too. Absolutely. And uh, no spoiler, but Lindsay gifted me my very own Oracle deck recently for my birthday. So uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about that as well. But it's been fun to learn about Oracle Cards this week and can't wait to share all about them. Totally, dude. Uh, but before we before we get to that, and before we get to maybe a little cat story, I want to take a second and sort of acknowledge, you know, I think, honestly, I think both Lindsay and I have been feeling a little fatigue lately, not from the podcast, just because life is hard. Life <laughs> and, is so hard lately. Uh, nothing is easy, and nothing seems to be getting easier, and we realize that we're probably not the only ones that feel that way. So we wanted to take a second to say thank you uh, for those of you that are, you know, hanging in there, that are still fighting whatever, you know, whatever you're fighting for. Keep on fighting, but it's okay to take a break now and then. Battles are not won by constantly going at something. You know, take a break, take a step back, uh, reorganize, recharge, and then go back at it again. But for those of you that are still, you know, fighting for whether it's, you know, Black Lives Matters or abortion rights or body image, or, uh, you know, what needs to happen in your particular school system this fall, or whatever it might be. Maybe you're just being kind to your neighbor, and that's your personal fight every day, is to do something nice for someone else. Just hang in there. Keep going. We see you, we love you, and we thank you for it. Absolutely. Okay. On that note, we mentioned last week, if anybody wants to go back to episode 42, we dropped a surprise. A little, a little pussy surprise that we, the pussies, would like to send you mail. We love sending mail. <laughs> so we're very excited. <laughs> and we've had a number of folks reach out already to get a little pussy parcel. And we will put together a little surprise for you. Maybe you are feeling fatigued. Maybe you know somebody that is and you want to send them a little care package. But we'll put together a little something special. Maybe it'll have some stickers. Maybe it'll have a cool postcard. Maybe it'll have your own Oracle card reading in it. Who knows? But we'll individualize all of these little parcels and mail them to you to support the USPS, the United States Postal Service, for those folks abroad that are listening. And we do have global stamps. So we've got all kinds of stamps, and we want to send you mail. So drop us a line at 5C2PPod on Gmail or Instagram. And you just need to send us an address where you'd like something sent, and we will do so. Totally, dude. So excited. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, Lindsay. Ronnie. How was your week? My week was good. (laughs) Good. My week was was good. I played video games, and I worked a couple of days, which, you know, right now is not great because you work in a restaurant, and not very many people are going to restaurants. But it's nice to get out of the apartment, and it's nice to hang out with people that I know and love. And it's nice to 
see people that I don't know. Yeah. I think that I think that that is a wonderful bright spot to have. I forgot how much seeing people I don't know is important. <laughs> <laughs> and also really scary. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but but yeah, I uh, I totally get, you know, that that feeling of like, oh, I like talk to somebody that I haven't talked to either in months or before either one. It's very refreshing. (laughs) No, it really is. I went to my first restaurant patio this week. Ooh. Yeah, it was actually totally fine. There was nobody else there. Um, And the place that I went to, they had a big uh, plexiglass like screens in between all of the tables outside. So it it felt very safe. Yeah, it was nice. I drank my first margarita of the summer. Yes. It was delicious. <laughs> I like that you waited till the end of August. <laughs> I know. Well, I just, like, I didn't go to a restaurant. And I, like, I wanted somebody else to make it. It's not the yeah, same when no. you make it yourself. It's like a tuna sandwich. You, like, you get, or any sandwich, honestly. Yeah. You ha- somebody else should make your sandwiches and somebody else should make your cocktails. Yeah, dude, just totally. Better. I agree. <laughs> if I'm at home, I'm just, I'm either drinking bourbon with ice or I'm cracking a high life. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm pretty much right there with you. <laughs> uh, to the point that like I like other people making me cocktails so much, I've started buying, because here in Massachusetts, you can buy pre-made cocktails to go. So I've gotten a Negroni and Sangria from two different restaurants, but all bottled up, ready for my consumption, just pouring a glass. That was pretty dope. Yeah, that is dope. <laughs> Uh, what else is dope is, so I think if you've been listening along, you know that we have our little scaredy cat, <laughs> little scaredy cat fatty, our 17 pounder Django, <laughs> also more commonly known as dog now. I think we're just going to start introducing him as dog, also known as Django. Uh, yeah, yeah, that seems appropriate. <laughs> yeah. But he's he's been an absolute babe this week. He's been sleeping on the bed. Wow. And not with us. Oh. <laughs> That's, I mean, let's be reasonable. But two or three times now, I've caught him. He has a corner of the bed that he likes. And he's been hopping up and sleeping on the corner of the bed. And he's been more actively pursuing Kenway. And when he wants a head lick, he'll basically headbutt Kenway into submission. But he's started reciprocating now. Oh. Poor buddy doesn't know how to do it. Oh. <laughs> he doesn't know how to cat. So Dog he gives, doesn't know how to cat. <laughs> he gives Kenway little cow licks, and it's adorable. But they've become pretty cute little bath time buddies. But the big thing is that... We're hanging out sort of the top of the stairs, back door, porch area, and listening to music, Engineer Dan and I. And unprompted, Django just came and flopped down in the hall with Kenway and like three, four feet away from us and just hung out. Just wow. hung out. We were all like sitting on the ground, listening to music, enjoying the breeze. And Django was like, cool i'll be here too this is where the party's at wow so so amazing it's almost like he's being like he's he's feeling like he's forced to be his own cat now maybe i don't know i've been slowly like watching this happen and and i'm kind of wondering if this is like a temporary thing or if this is a true change in his personality but we'll see where it goes and keep you informed awesome dude (laughs) it's it's pretty exciting that i don't have favorites I just get really <laughs> excited whenever dog does anything that isn't run away. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we'll be right back in a moment in a jiffy. Talk about Oracle cards. Totally. We'll see you real soon, which is. 
Knuckle Deck time. Ronnie, guess what? Oh, shit. <laughs> what? We did it again. I know. I almost, <laughs> not only did we do it again, I almost redid it where you were like, what? And I was like, what did I forget? And I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. If I'm literally not looking at our candle. I think you guys are just doing it so that I can keep my bit going while I make fun of you guys. I'm the worst. I am, I am the worst. And What's even more sad is that Lindsay brought super cute matches today. I'm so happy to use a match and in this this the cute little plastic hard plastic box with like odd little toucans and flamingos on it. It's super cute. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Somebody gave that to me like years ago and I forgot about it. Thanks, random person. Yeah. All right, well here we go. I'm gonna light it. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Oh, wait, 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 Breeze. We are recording outside today. There may be hawks. There were hawks earlier this morning. So if you hear a hawk, uh, that's what that is. Ooh. uh, They're probably, like, on the hunt for some bunnies. (laughs) For some backyard bunnies? That's 100% what they're doing. Yes. All right. These wooden matches, my favorite, are awesome. Yay. Yes. That they lit... And it lit beautifully, and look at it go. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> so sorry, Lindsay. <laughs> Next time I'm just going to hold the candle in my hand, and I'm going to like hold it up yeah. as we're doing <laughs> the intro, so there's no way we can forget. I think that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ritual candle is lit. Now we can talk about oracle cards. Yay. <laughs> so this is the third cardamancy uh talk i suppose third cardamancy episode we've done the lenormand deck mm-hmm. we've done tarot yes and now it is time for oracle cards yes and so i think the big question is what are oracle cards what are oracle cards so oracle means to speak yes and like the oracles of Delphi, of ancient wherever, <laughs> um, oracle is a divination. It's it's to to get a message, to uh, use your intuition, and it is a card that speaks to you about the maybe the future or to provide an insight into something that is going on in your life or could come about and so that's essentially oracle cards are cards used as a divination tool so given that definition would then tarot cards and lenormand cards also be oracle cards yes so the thing is, is not all oracle cards are Lenormand cards. Not all tarot cards, or not all oracle cards are tarot cards. There is sort of this third category, I want to say, where there are now modernized, uh, it'll say right on the box, oracle cards. And that is a newer thing rooted in cards like uh, Lenormand deck and even older ones. Uh, that are cards used to provide some insight and speak to you about something in some way. Cool. But, yeah, they're they're all sort of under the broad category of oracle cards. And we do want to talk a little bit about the history because it's important to know where things like this come from. Uh, but we'll talk about the, the more modernized version as well. Yeah, dude, absolutely. Absolutely. So... 
Lenormand cards were probably one of the earlier Oracle decks out there. I came across a bunch of earlier cards, and I wrote down information for a couple of them that seemed like kind of funny to me. Awesome. (laughs) But also really cute. The first one, and this was the earliest one that I could really find, they were called Hooper's Conversational Cards. And I believe that these can be found at the British Museum. They may even have them on their website, but these were published in 1775. They're also known as the tragedy and comedy cards. I believe that they came in a book, like they were images in a book. And on the front cover of the book, it, it said Hooper's Conversational Cards and then tragedy and comedy cards underneath. So Okay, so it, c- it could be one or the other, like maybe lost to time at this point. Tragedy comedy cards were maybe a more popular thing. And this was Hooper's version. But this is the record that we have. Yeah, yeah, to- dude, totally. These cards were designed for playing a game where one person will draw a card to be the beginning of a a story. And then each player after that will draw another card to be used as inspiration to continue the story. Sweet. Okay. There are 56 cards in total. And they have engravings of pictures on them. And the only text that is on the card is the text for the name of the card so if okay if there's like you know a death card it'll say death underneath okay uh so does each card have a i suppose like a an ing um, for lack of better word like a, an english word kind of thing like where it's like um more or a noun kind of thing yeah like it's a it's a key it's um, you know, it's clover, it's yeah, a yeah, duck, yeah. it's yeah. whatever. Yeah, exactly. Something okay. like that. I'm not entirely sure what the pictures are or what the cards are, all right. of them. But uh, but yeah, exactly. You have the right idea. There is a male and female significator card, much like Lenormand. But yeah. So because of the descriptive picture and the one word on the card, even though they were developed to play a game, they they were and could be used as a as a divination set. Cool. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. The second deck that I found, this one I really, really like. This is a deck that has a French name. <laughs> and it also has an English name. Okay. And then it has kind of just like its its very shortened name. So the, oh, fr- the French fancy. name, which I'm going to butcher, is Les Amusements de Allemagne. No, that was great. Was it? Yeah. Yay. Nailed it. <laughs> I'm on my way to speaking French, you guys. The English name is super long. It's funny. It's The Diversions of the Court of Vienna in which the mystery of fortune-telling from the grounds of the coffee cup is unraveled and three pleasant games. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Wait, but grounds in a coffee cup sounds more like tea leaf coffee ground readings as opposed to a card game. Yeah, yeah, kind of. The the very shortened name is coffee ground cards. Oh, oh, okay, so they combine them. (laughs) Yes. I like the short name. I mean, who doesn't want a, like, 15-word name? Right, (laughs) I know, so easy to remember. But coffee ground cards is also (laughs) cool. (laughs) So this was published in England in 1796, and much like Cooper's Conversational Cards, I believe it was published into into book form. Okay. So I'm, I'm assuming people would, like, buy the book, 
cut out the cards out of the pages and then use oh it Oh my like god, that. I didn't even think of that. I was like, oh, they buy the book and then they draw their own cards. <laughs> 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 but yeah, no shit, they just cut the cards out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, that's what I assume that yeah, they did. Yeah, I mean, that makes I, more sense. <laughs> I suppose it's absolutely possible that they just leave the cards in the book and read them in the book. Now, this was... this. The, these cards were based on a set of cards that were published in Vienna in 1794. So it only took a couple of years to make this sort of, you know, kind of reproduction of whatever that was. There are 32 cards, much okay. like a piquet deck. And they are dominated by a singular subject, much like Hooper's conversational cards or like Oracle decks of today. So each card has a particular image and a particular meaning. Yes, cool. they're unlike Hooper's conversational cards. There are lines of text rather than just having a oh. single word that offer divinatory meanings or moral advice. Oh, sweet. Uh, and there are full landscape engravings on them also. Pretty. And the cards were designed to correlate with numerology and coffee ground divination. Oh, wow. Okay. Huh. So it feels like they took, uh, well, I'm, whether one was related to the other or not, but it seems like that version, you know, being related to coffee ground reading and uh, numerology and like you know the, that's a lot of divination tools yeah. wrapped into one and I think that maybe that was also like a particular height of creation and using divination tools for like socialite purposes yeah dude absolutely yeah. I mean we're talking 1790s so 1790s were kind of when uh it was when the game of hope was published in Germany right. 1799 yeah. so yeah there's there's like this time where all of these decks are coming out like within 20 years of each other and divination is starting to gain momentum and people are using these cards that they would normally play for games for other things that's that's super cool. Super, super fun. So those are some of like the 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 OG, the original like yeah. Oracle cards. And one of the things that I like about those that have in common with current Oracle cards are that they're very um, unique in and of themselves. And I think that's the biggest um, thing that oracle cards as a modern incarnation which have sort of gained popularity you know really in the last 10 years but you know throughout the like 80s and 90s and but really since you know 2000 and 2010s um, there's with this most resurgent recent resurgence of an interest in the supernatural and witchcraft and divination oracle cards are very unique each deck is different and they're they can be read differently uh they are created by different people and they don't follow a particular tradition and i think that's one of the really like intimidating things about an oracle deck but also the really cool things where when you get an oracle deck whoever created that deck has been inspired to create a set of divination tools that really spoke to them, but doesn't follow, you know, doesn't follow a particular tradition. So the images are going to be different and the words are going to be different and the meanings are going to be different. So, for example, uh, the way of the panda, it also has an oracle deck. So if if Lindsay and I both got a way of the panda oracle deck, those cards are going to be the same. You know, obviously, you know, the like the deck doesn't change person to person. But if I get a way of the panda deck and Lindsay gets 
an Ophidia Rosa Oracle deck, those two decks are totally different. Totally the, different. The thing that they have in common is each card will have a unique image and a unique keyword. And the way that that keyword is interpreted will be different person to person, but also deck to deck. Absolutely. So more than one Oracle deck may have a mirror card and that meaning of that mirror card for that is tied to that particular deck and isn't a universal standardized meaning for that card. True. And I think that's cool. True, true. On, and on top of that, there's no, like, set number of cards that need to be in either. Right, yeah. You can One have deck can have, like, 22 cards. Yep. Another can have 52 cards. Yep. There's yeah, I haven't no seen one. Standard. I've yet to see an Oracle deck that had an uneven amount of cards. Oh, uh, that's not something that I've thought about. But I, I was curious, so I did just randomly, like, I went on an online shop that sells a whole like massive variety of cards, and I went through each deck to see... Um, what, how many cards each deck had, and they were all even numbers. That's so and I don't weird. know if that's a particular thing, but the the one thing that across the board that I, very much like you saw as well, like you can have as many cards as you want, you can put whatever images you want on them, you can put whatever corresponding words and meanings that you want. So anybody can create an oracle deck, and as long as you're doing it with you know the right intentions and. And with the care, I think, and the respect that somebody's going to use this as a divination tool. So even if you can't, you know, maybe you can't afford to go out and buy um, your own Oracle deck. Maybe you're not in a place where you have the, like, ability to get to a shop where you can buy an Oracle deck. You can create your own. Look at some of the inspirations online. Cut up some thick cardstock. Write some words. Drew a little doodle on it. And, you know, that's, that's just as meaningful to you as the user, as the creator, that's where decks start. Just because it doesn't have fancy art or glossy cards doesn't make it any less of an Oracle deck. I completely agree. I feel like if you're making your own, it may even be more of a power tool, powerful tool for you. Totally. Yeah. It, it very, very well could be. Absolutely. Uh, so you've got an Oracle deck, and the next step is reading it. Because as, unless you're just collecting for the beautiful art, which is also valid, <laughs> but, you know, most people get an Oracle deck to learn how to read it. And I think that one of the neat things about Oracle decks is they often have a theme and that theme will tell you what the art is probably going to be based around. Mm -hmm. But it's also a great way for the creator of the deck to set an intention. So... Uh, you might see a lunar oracle deck where each card, the images on each card is correspondent with a lunar cycle or a particular um, a particular like star chart or something like that. You've got uh, you know decks that are all about fairies, decks that are all about archangels. Decks that are, you know, about Star Trek cats. Like, it's all oh about... Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> it's all over the place. <laughs> I want a Star Trek cat deck. <laughs> there are so many types of decks. <laughs> so, you know, as you're looking through, if you don't connect with a deck right away, don't, don't freak out. I saw a bunch of, like, when I was looking at, like, what is the best deck to get kind of thing? Like, what are the top 10 Oracle decks out there so that I could research those? Most of the lists were like, 
here's a top 20. And then the next link would be like, here's a top 10. And there'd be no overlap. And the, wow. the most ridiculous one I saw was, here's the top 309 <laughs> Oracle card decks. 309? How do you even <laughs> choose like, off of a list yeah, like this that? This isn't a That's top crazy. anymore. <laughs> this is just a, this is a library of Oracle decks. <laughs> but there are so many types out there and they do have different themes. So if you go into a shop or you're looking online and the ones you happen to see for that day are all... I don't know, garden and bone themed, and that's not your jam, just wait, wait. You'll find like a unicorn panda, princess sparkles, if you that's what you're looking for. <laughs> or, you know, you might also find one that, you know, is all about things from the kitchen and, you oh, know, cool. really relate to you as a kitchen witch. You know, you never know. There really are truly all kinds out there. <laughs> but but they sometimes have this theme. They don't have to have a theme, but mm -hmm. oftentimes they do. And you can use that as sort of like your your guidance, your thought, to put you in the mood, if you will. To put you in the mood. Interesting. <laughs> because, I mean, oracle cards draw from your intuition. Yes. So I think setting a mood is important. <laughs> Maybe it's not for everyone, but I like the idea of, you know, be sort of like oracle cards setting a tone, setting a mood, setting your, like, your intuition sort of pivot point. Yeah, dude. I can see that. I can totally see that. Yeah, because I don't know if I'm if I'm thinking about lunar cycles as an example and I'm curious what's going to happen to me in the next week, I'm going to be much more focused, I think. It really brings your focus in than if, you know, I'm thinking about like I don't know baseball and what I had for dinner and how the Bruins are doing <laughs> in the playoffs and like you know all of these extras like having a theme for your deck really brings your focus in. I can see that. So so having said that, when you're reading the cards, uh, there's there's typically a singular focus on the cards. So when you're when you're pulling cards or when you're doing a spread, are you? Are you focusing on one single thing and going off of your intuition based on that one card? Are you doing a spread like you would with other divinatory cards? Are you, how does that work? How does it work for you? Yeah, so you can do uh, any number of things. So I've, I'm just starting to play with my Oracle deck uh, and I'm not quite sure where my relationship with that deck will go in terms of types of spreads, but I will say I've done some reading to see sort of the, the Slytherin in me wanted to do it right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what I've learned is there is no right or wrong way to read Oracle cards. Okay. The most common way to read them is a single card pull. Okay. Uh, but that, again, doesn't make it right or wrong. You can do a three card spread, so a past, present, future. You can use them in combination with other divination tools. So a single card pull to set an intention for maybe a pendulum read or um, using a different type of like cardomancy or numerology or whatever it might be. Or you can pull a single card and you can also, I've even read, um, you can shuffle your deck pull a card and if it doesn't speak to you pull another card and keep pulling <laughs> until you find the one that like you just basically like flip cards until the card that needs to speak to you surfaces interesting and i thought that was cool because i've seen that done with other types of divination and i i 
was never quite sure what was happening. It was because it happens very quickly where it's like flip, 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 flip. And then you just like, you kind of know when you're supposed to stop kind of thing. Interesting. Yeah. So the biggest thing there is that the Oracle deck uh, will draw on your intuition based around the image and the word. And sometimes there's a little book, like a little white book that comes mm-hmm. with it that will also have, you know, this is um, this is the key card. And it's got a cute picture of a kitten holding a key on it, like or uh, with a key on a ribbon around its neck. And then when you look in the little white book, it'll say, you know, key is about unlocking your two potential or something like that. And it'll give you a little, an extra little prompt. Or sometimes it'll just give you other words, um, like unlock or um, I didn't write an oracle deck, so that's all I got. <laughs> but <laughs> you get the idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the biggest thing is like. Uh, being an intuition deck, they're not telling a story or they're not designed most often to tell a story in the same way that it will, in the same way that the first deck whose name I've completely forgotten, even though you just said it, <laughs> <laughs> but your, your first example of the OG Oracle decks, uh, told oh, a story. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like a Hooper's conversational yes, yes, card. Yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So they told a story. Yeah. And... And oracle cards in this current incarnation tend to be less story-driven, more in the moment or in the future, but one at a time. Okay. All right. I like that. So it's like a sentence. Yeah, a little bit more like a a little bit more like a sentence. Yeah, a little bit more like the Lenormand style, but yeah. Um, The other thing that I saw when I was looking through that I had never considered before was how you shuffle a deck. Oh, because everybody shuffles differently and Oracle cards come in all sizes. Yeah. So you can get small ones for people like me with tiny hands or you can get like some pretty big ass Oracle cards. Like I have a coworker who has some very cool animal inspired Oracle cards that are huge. Really? They cannot be shuffled in your hand. They're ridiculously big. <laughs> are they bigger than like standard tarot yes. deck size? Wow. Yeah, they're wider. And they're very cool. They're very pretty, but they're very large and... The way that you shuffle oracle cards, you can absolutely shuffle them like a normal deck of cards, um, you know, but a lot of times what people will do, especially with these bigger ones, is put them all on the table and sort of shuffle them around flat, like, oh, like okay. you're finger painting with them. <laughs> like okay. You're just sort of spreading them out on the table, and then you choose one that speaks to you, and you flip that one over. I like that better than I like the continually flipping over cards until you find one that you like. Yeah, I think they're both cool. And they're or find one that feels I, right. And I think that they're similar, and, and which kind of just depend on how much space you have, really. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you're doing this in, I don't know, in a dorm room, you might not have room <laughs> to, like, <laughs> spread them all out over your bed kind of thing. Or maybe it's a little bit, also a little bit more private and intimate if you're just you know, doing the flip, 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 and being yeah. like, this is the card. And then, you know, it's a little bit more internalized. But if you're doing a reading for someone else, then, you know, maybe the l- a little bit of showmanship sometimes goes a long way. Really, like... Again, it sets the mood, gets them thinking about what's going on. Like, it also kind of, like, it's meditative. It clears your mind as you're moving the cards around. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like playing dominoes when you're, like, sh- you're, you're like, shuffling. Yeah, the yeah. Yard. Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great example. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so 
uh, essentially, uh, you know, your cards, your deck, you know, you're going to connect with it in your own personal way. And you're going to learn over time, you know, what these cards mean to you. And I think that that's important to note as well as, you know, each card has a signifying prompt, a word, and it does, you know, often come with a particular meaning. But like other forms of divination, you know, this is really about your intuition and not about the historical reference of what this card means on some sort of formalized tradition. This is about what you draw from it. And maybe you draw the same thing from it each and every time you pull it. And maybe, you know, you pull a card on like the first Monday of August and by the first Monday of November, that card means something totally different to you because you're in a totally different place. And that's cool. They're your cards and they're just meant to give, to speak to you and to give you guidance and give you inspiration. That's so cool, dude. That's so cool. Yeah. And I think that's why um, they are often, uh, they're often promoted as, you know, you're, so you're interested in divination cards kind of thing. They're sort of the gateway <laughs> of cards <laughs> a lot of times where, you know, people will say like, you know, if you're intimidated by other forms of cardomancy that have very specific spreads or very specific meanings, uh, you know, you can have this sort of intro to divination through oracle cards, which I agree with, but having played with my oracle deck now, I I almost feel like in like intro to cardomancy through oracle cards doesn't ha like they can drop the intro. They can just be like, you can do cardomancy with oracle cards. Oh, and I will say I am I am a new convert. I did not always think this way. Interesting. But uh, I do think that they're both like different types of cardomancy, whether it's Lenormand deck tarot cards or oracle cards. The most important thing is that you connect with the style of card that you have and a deck that speaks to you and serves the purpose that you're looking for. And if you find that through tarot cards, awesome. And if you find that through oracle cards, equally awesome. It doesn't need, it's not, this isn't baby's first cardomancy deck. You know, it, right. it's, you're going to get some profound and interesting reads no matter what you're using, as long as you connect with your tools. I can see both points of view. Uh, I myself do find Oracle decks a little more approachable mm -hmm. for somebody like myself who doesn't typically use cardomancy as a divination tool. I have dabbled in tarot. I have dabbled a little bit in Oracle decks, and I do find Oracle decks a little bit more approachable for myself. Yeah, I, and I think that that's incredibly common, and that could have a lot to do with the fact that the art is unique to each style of deck, and the meanings are different. And so you can really um, easily, or more easily, I would predict, uh, connect with a deck of oracle cards than perhaps, you know, a Lenormand deck may have different artists, but the images are very similar. And sure, yeah. And tarot now is sort of branching a little bit more into the oracle card vein where the images can be varied um, wildly, <laughs> but but I do think that if you if you feel, I don't know, if you feel drawn to a particular tool, go for it. Yeah. Doesn't matter what it is. 
Yeah, dude, totally. I like with Oracle decks that they they just feel a little less structured. Oh, yeah. And I'm pretty unstructured in my <laughs> life. I'm a messy person. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that that's, you know, again, finding, like, knowing a bit about the cards. And if you are a very structured person and, you know, the idea of, like, looking at a word and drawing inspiration or meaning from just a word terrifies you, then, you know, pick something else. But if, you know, you like the idea of giving, like, giving yourself a little, like, motivation for the day or an inspirational word or, you know, really having a moment of, like, self-contemplation through your cards, go for it. Get an Oracle deck. Yeah, dude. All in all, Oracle decks are pretty rad. (laughs) And it just so happens that I have one. Yay! <laughs> so why don't we take a little break and come back, and I want to chat a little bit about uh, about the Oracle deck that I have, and as well, you know, getting to know a, a new deck and Oracle deck because because I did some reads and got some interesting things, and I can't wait to tell you all about it. Cool, dude. Psyched to hear about it. We'll see you in a sec, witches. Welcome back. (laughs) All right. So, Lindsay is an absolute sweetheart. And purchased for me, ordered for me, a beautiful oracle deck all the way from England. All the way from England. And so I wanted to share with you all a little bit about the, it's Miss uh, Miss May's Victorian Oracle by Witchwood Oracle. That's the the individual or the company or it's the it's a company it's a it's a mama and a daughter team and i believe that the daughter does the artwork and the mama writes the cards that's awesome yeah so they have a website at switchwoodoracle.com and you can go check them out this particular deck um because this is a podcast so (laughs) i'm going to describe to you what this deck is but it's 32 cards And one of the things that's really cool about this particular deck, which is not true to all Oracle decks, is that it specifically says this can be read in reverse. So what that means is, if you're new to Cardamancy in general, is that these cards, the back of them, doesn't matter if... There, there's no upside down or right side up. There, there's a s- symmetrical image on the back, and they are beautiful. It's this black and purple uh, filigree with the, sort of surrounding this third eye image, and really pretty. And that means that when they are like that, when they're upside down, you can't see what the right side up is which means that when you flip it over the way that it is, if the image and the words are upside down, like facing away from you, that's a reversed reading. And that has a different meaning in this deck than if it is right side up or facing you when you flip it over. Would that essentially be the opposite meaning of what it is when it's facing right side up? Um, Yeah, they're usually not entirely opposite. They're more complementary. Oh, okay. But opposite is a good way to think about it. So I'll give you an example. I'm just picking one up sort of at random. Uh, So card 28 is the ship. And if it's facing, 
It means journeys, adventure, and new beginnings. If it is reversed, so if you flip it over and the ship is upside down, then you leave it that way and read it as being off course, overwhelmed, or having a return. Oh, okay. So, you know, again, it's an oracle card, so you draw from it your own inspiration, depending on maybe what question you had in your mind or that sort of thing. So it's not entirely opposites, it's sort of adjacent to. Okay, okay. <laughs> Taking it in a different direction. <laughs> right, right. Interesting. So one of the things I wanted to talk about with this particular deck um, is that it's a brand new deck to me. So the the family made this, put it in the mail, sent it all the way from England, and I opened it. And so I'm the first person, essentially, to touch this with the intent of using it. But it doesn't necessarily make the cards mine. And I've never used an Oracle deck before. So it was extra important to me to really feel connected to the deck and to get to know it. Uh, and that takes time. And I think, you know, there are some little things that I have done to take those steps. But I also want to sort of put it out there that even if you do all the quote unquote right things to attune a deck to you, it's still, it takes time. It's a relationship. This isn't a, like, you're mine now and, you know, and you will talk to me. It's it's a give and take. Uh, so I think it's really important uh, when you're getting to know your new deck that you're patient with it and patient with yourself. Um, you may not draw a particular intuition from it right away. Um, I am pleased <laughs> I suppose I'm I'm excited I'm a little afraid um, oh. that I did uh, I, I've done a reading and I formed a little bit of a relationship with this deck but I I got a connection from it right away so that is so cool <laughs> yeah. now what are like steps that you take to make this deck yours are you like are we talking like cleansing, imbuing it with your energy, doing sample reads, what sort of thing? Yeah. So uh, a little bit of all of the above. So I've cleansed. Uh, it was recently the new moon and it was the last moon in August or not the last moon in August, <laughs> but the last, like the last significant lunar phase in August and uh, being a birthday gift in my birthday month, I kind of wanted to do something with that. Also, this is a Victorian image deck. So a lot of the images here are a little bit more gothic, a little bit more Victorian, a little bit more mm, dark, I suppose. And so I just felt right. So on the new moon, I did cleanse it. I did a smoke cleanse with mullein, uh, mugwort, and rosemary. And I lit a candle and did the cleanse. I wafted with a couple of feathers from the backyard to really sort of like tether it to this place and me. And uh, that was, you know, just my own little thing that I did. I've been playing a lot with it, just shuffling it. And I just, you know, sometimes I'll just sit when I'm in a work meeting and shuffle and then put it away. And don't do a, a draw, but it's just about getting used to the feel of the cards in my hands and getting the deck um, used to my energy. Because if you're if you're deep in it, like I feel like I am with you know cardamancy, uh, you know it I, the deck has a certain energy and I have a certain energy and they need to intermingle uh, to really like work well together. Yeah, that makes sense. And so I did those things, uh, and then I did, well, I, I shuffled it, and while I was shuffling, I had a card pop out, 
And so I just sort of set that one aside, which often to me, like a card that jumps the deck like that, uh, and falls into your lap or on the floor as you're shuffling. Sometimes you can see that as a, like a sign the deck wanted to tell you something kind of thing. And I did a, uh, I did an interview with my deck. What? So <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. So this is something that I found when researching about Oracle decks and sort of how to get to know a new deck. Uh, and this was great because I don't know enough. Of, like I didn't know enough about Oracle cards to like really know how to like get to know them kind of thing. Cool. So I found this little um, article that had a bunch of questions where the idea is basically as you get to know your deck, you ask a question. And then you shuffle and flip a card kind of thing. So some of the questions are things like, um, what energy do you use? What are your strengths? Um, what are you here to teach me? Um, how do I work best with you? What is your outcome? What do I need to know about you? And what is it that you want from me? Oh, wow. So I did this. Uh, I didn't do exactly those questions. But essentially, I did a little spread and 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 asked it questions like, uh, "Who are you? Who am I? How do we work together? What do you expect from me? And like, what what will we do together? Or like, sort of the like, what is our outcome? Answer. Mm-hmm. And I. I got some really cool answers. And so I, although Oracle cards aren't really meant to tell a story, the story that I will tell from the reading that I got is I knew something was up, I guess, <laughs> when the first card that I flipped was the Who Are You? And I drew the book. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab that book card so That's I can read it to you. Interesting. So I asked my deck, Who Are You? It replied the book, Facing, which is wisdom, knowledge, and growth. Whoa, dude. That's a trip. <laughs> I was like, okay, cards. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Sounds like this deck's got a whole lot to say. It's, uh, you know, in the moment, I think I described it as sassy to Engineer Dan, but sassy isn't the right word. It's, it doesn't, it's not lippy. It's, um, it is very self-aware. <laughs> um, and so essentially the cards that I got told this like little story to me where like starting off with, you know, it is the book. It is knowledge, growth, and wisdom. The card that I pulled for me was in reverse. So the card that I pulled for myself was more about being... Like being isolated, seeking freedom and independence. And then the card that I pulled um, in terms of sort of like the what like what do you want? Where will we go together? Like what's our energy was the bat. So I'll pull that one out. Oh, too. I love bats. They are so cute. Boom. Yeah, I'm sure that I couldn't see them because it was a new moon, but there was probably bats flying around while I pulled this. Probably. So what we're sort of looking for together, this deck and I, is freedom, flight, and determination. Nice. 
And the last sort of bit that I got from my little interview with my deck is this particular deck clearly wants to be the one and only. Oh, wow. (laughs) Now that I would call sassy. (laughs) So as when because I like to look at things as a whole. And I so I did interview it. And with that interview in mind, I did a secondary spread for myself to see, because I know it's supposed to be a single card poll kind of thing, but I wanted to see if I could tell a story with it. And it, it was, the story was there, but I did have to weave some of it together myself. Okay. Um, so my sort of traditional tarot spread didn't work great for, for this particular reading. Doesn't mean it won't work in the future, but for that particular one, it wasn't great. But what this deck has sort of signified to me in that moment, in this sort of first introduction is it really wants to be my spiritual guide. Uh, it wants to be my only spiritual guide. It does not want me to play with other decks. And it, this is just for me. This is not a, like, it will not... I don't think it will cooperate. (laughs) Um, It wants to read for one and only person. Like it is a, this is going, and this is great. And maybe, you know, um, for the skeptics listening out there that can go back in time and listen to other previous episodes where we talk about decks, like I, uh, and talk, I think specifically on the tarot episode, I talked about wanting a deck that was just for me and was, you know, this sort of Victorian Gothic, you know. And so maybe Maybe everything has aligned. I'd like to think everything has aligned. And this deck knows that. Uh, But if you're a skeptic and you're like, yeah, you willed that into existence. Cool. Whatever. It's my deck. (laughs) And and I like to think that, you know, we've got, you know, this deck and I now have a a little bit of a connection. That gave me chills twice (laughs) up and down my spine. As you were saying, this deck wants to be my one and only deck. And I can see why you might be a little afraid because that would scare me. I feel like I have seen that movie. And and I feel like I was scared when I was watching that movie. Yeah, I mean, but that's good. I want to be a little scared. Like, I want to be... Growth is scary. Because, like, growth puts you on the edge of something you don't know and stepping into that unknown and having the courage to do so. And that's really what I'm personally looking for is a deck for growth. And I think that for my cardamancy knowledge and my spiritual growth, that's what I need right now. I, I'm very comfortable with my tarot deck and I'm very comfortable in reading for others with that. But I've sort of neglected over the last year my spiritual growth and pushing me forward using these tools. So I think this is the right deck for that in this time. And and I don't think that it will be the only deck I read with, but it will be it will not be a deck that I read for others with. As much as I really want to, because it's a beautiful deck. The the illustrations are gorgeous. And maybe, you know, down the road relationships change. So maybe down the road this is something that I read for others. But I think for me going forward, this particular Oracle deck is for me. And that I think that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing, too. I, I really feel like it's important for you to have that 
thing, no matter what it is, that is for you and you alone. Yeah, I, I, I'm excited about it. And I hope if you're listening and inspired to get an Oracle deck, or maybe you've already got one, um, that you have that kind of relationship with, you know, at least one of your divination tools, that it's it's for you. And it's something special. And you don't have to share it. And you don't have to do readings for others just because you have a particular card deck, whether it's Lenormand Tarot or Oracle. You can you can do readings just for yourself and they are just as important or sometimes more important. Yeah, dude, totally. So I, I thank you, Lindsay, for getting me this deck. My I pleasure. I think it's got all the right energies for what I'm looking for right now. And I think I think I've changed my uh, thoughts on Oracle. I've grown in my knowledge on Oracle through this particular deck as well. And I wouldn't be surprised if I get myself a secondary Oracle deck that is a little less sassy, <laughs> that is a little less uh, controlling. <laughs> I got this like, yeah, this, this deck is, is I, I'll get to know it more. And when I come up with the right word for it, I'll let you know. But I think it's somewhere in the realm of like, it's not quite controlling, but it's not sassy, but it's like, it's very, I don't know. I, th I think that self-aware was a good Self description. Yeah, it's very self-aware. And I feel like it's the kind of deck that like wants to take me by the hand and sort of it wants to lead. It doesn't want to follow. Interesting. And I think that that's the major difference between this particular tool and some of my other divination tools is I'm in control with the other ones. And I'm not, I don't feel in control with this one yet. <laughs> That is so freaky, dude. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> if anything really weird happens, I'll be sure to let everyone know. <laughs> yeah. But right now, I'm going to listen to the book. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. Sweet. So I hope you enjoyed our episode about Oracle cards. We're going to take another a quick break and be right back. We got a brand new Pussy of the Week. Week! See ya so soon, witches. Yeah, we're back. And Woo. it's time for Pussy, Pussy of, of the Week! Well, we have a great new Pussy of the Week. Her name is Christina Belding. Now, Christina Belding came across my path as I was reading a news article from CBC, uh, CBC Nova Scotian News, and this wonderful pussy has uh, unfortunately suffered from or was diagnosed with um, breast cancer. And she opted for a double mastectomy. And the article is great. I'll share it on the Instagram, which is 5C2P pod. But uh, the cool thing about uh, this particular story is how uh, Christine has been really spending her summer and, uh, and turning heads, <laughs> essentially. Uh, it is freaking awesome. She has opted, rather than reconstructive surgery... Um, or essentially breast implants, she has opted for the flat close. 
And so she no longer has nipples. She has two 20-centimeter scars, one on either side of her chest where her breasts were. And because of this, she is now completely healed, but she's been able to go topless at public beaches in Nova Scotia. So amazing. And she has been. Yes. <laughs> I love it. And I and I was just so inspired by this story because it wasn't about whether or not she was going topless. It wasn't about whether or not she chose to get breast implants uh, or, you know, go flat chested. It was that she wanted to draw awareness to the fact that there are options that are important to the individual when you're faced with a choice like this. And um, unfortunately for her, a lot of the, the recognition that she's been getting has either been for being a topless female, and then she's been very politely reminding folks, I don't have breasts, I can do what I want, <laughs> uh, which is true and legal in Nova Scotia. <laughs> or uh, the fact that people will ask her like when she's getting her implants as opposed to like, how is she feeling? How long has she been in remission? You know, what was her last checkup like? You know, is she scared kind of thing? Right. And I th think that it was interesting to draw attention to like the fact that, you know, this is an individualized choice. If you are facing breast cancer, whether you keep your boobs or not is 100% your choice. And she chose not to. She chose uh, to to go flat chest. And I think it's beautiful. Uh, she's a beautiful woman. Uh, she's She has noticed that her kayaking is better. Oh, wow. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Cool. She's like, some things that she likes to do, like kayaking and rowing, were easier now. <laughs> but... I, yeah, I just thought it was fucking cool. And and if you have decided to um, get breast implants, awesome. Fucking rock on. But if you decide not to, that's okay, too. And I don't think we spend enough time talking about that option as as normalized or as beautiful. And and I thank Christina Belding for uh, for putting that out there and and showing the world that, you know, flat chest is beautiful, too. Ronnie, I 100% agree. And Christina... We like you. All right. <laughs> we have a panda update. <laughs> Engineer Dan, corner time. <laughs> you guys want to talk about pandas? Yeah. I want to talk about pandas. I'm over here to talk about pandas if you want to talk about pandas. I feel like you had a panda update for us. Yeah, so we were all the world, the royal we, were all cautiously optimistic about the recent development in a Washington, D.C. zoo, wherein a giant panda became pregnant. Babies. Babies. So here's the update, guys. A week later, baby panda. Oh. It's true. It's true. <laughs> oh. Okay, so I got to ask, probably listeners are wondering, mm -hmm. does it only take a week to, like, from point of confirming pregnancy like, to having a baby? Is this the uh, panda we talked about last week? This is the same panda we talked <gasps> about last week, yes. Yeah. What? So here's what the curiosity, here's where the curiosity lies, and let me explain to you, dear listeners, what's going on here, is that they detected a, a, a protein buildup that could be a baby panda, but they were, at the same time, um, concerned because pandas can actually... Um, take that possible baby and either miscarry or even 
like sort of re like repeal the it back into their bodies essentially they can <laughs> they they can they can abort the pregnancy before it becomes a panda and just take the protein that is that that could be that baby back into themselves god damn i wish we could do that <laughs> crazy right yeah so yeah that is that is the most panda pregnancy thing i've ever heard <laughs> yeah it's true it's true so when uh when mama uh started uh licking on her fur and sort of laying on her side and making uh, i quote um some honking sounds <laughs> we knew that we, we could have a baby on our hands and then this little pink ball of panda about the size of a stick of butter oh my god that's so small that is so it small. Came plopping on out, and then a few moments later, while everyone was holding their breath in anticipation, this little baby panda started making noises. Oh! And so mom immediately scooped up baby panda and started cleaning it and snugging it, and now we got now we're dealing with the baby panda situation, folks. Aww. I hope baby panda does great. Did they name it yet? No, it doesn't. Uh, we haven't determined a sex yet. Ah. But Mama Panda is happy with Baby Panda, and Baby Panda's doing great, and Mom's doing all the right things. Mom is now officially the oldest panda to give birth in the United States. <gasps> wow. What's Mama Panda's name? Uh, that would be, hang on just a second. Let's see here. Mama Panda's name is Mia Jing. Zing, Zang. X-I-A-N-G. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I think that might be Sing. Sing? Sing? Maybe. She's I adorable. Will, I'll tell you that for free. Look it up. <laughs> if you want to, if you want to treat yourself, names. if you're a Twitter user, I'm not. But it, you know, the the National Zoo's Twitter page has a nice little mama mama baby video camera situation going on. No. <laughs> <laughs> well. I hope that the last time we reported on a baby animal, it didn't go great. So I hope this goes way yeah. better. <laughs> I do too. I hope I hope little baby panda and mama panda live happily ever after. I do too. So sweet. <laughs> I love how tiny they are. I know a <laughs> stick of butter. My goodness. <laughs> We're such a big bear too. It's unfair. Yeah. <laughs> Humans are like yeah nine pound baby. Panda's like I'll push it out when it's a stick of butter. <laughs> <laughs> Panda! (laughs) (laughs) Well, awesome. So, as we wind down here, wanted to remind you one more time, uh, dear listeners, that if you would like to send or receive mail from your pussies, maybe Engineer Dan, uh, then you can drop us a line at 5c2ppod at gmail. Or 5C2P pod on Instagram. And we will help support the United States Postal Service by sending you a little care package. Each one will be unique. So feel free to like us, follow us on Instagram, and share your uh, parcels as they arrive. Feel free to tag us and let us know what you thought. Totally, but dude. Send us your addresses so we can send you cool stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Well, until next week. Remember, no pervs, no Nazis. Totally. Panda honk. Baby panda!